you know, what a good, have you looked around? Look at the place here. What a great crowd. Where were you at this morning? What a great crowd this year. Man, I'm so glad you're here. Let, let, me, let me make a few remarks here, and then we'll, we'll sit down and learn something and hopefully learn something. The, uh, 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 the ministry, and I've said this before, the ministry that you have, uh, one thing that you have to realize as a congregation, uh, you have to protect your leaders and protect your pastor. Uh, you have to surround them with prayer. Just don't say, oh, well, and there's not going to be anything on your part. Uh, I mean, you know, the disciples, even Peter, you know, Satan came to sift him and to ruin him and to tear him down and get him out. Uh, pastors are under tremendous attacks. Your families are under attack. Your kids are under attack. And, and your prayers and, and your encouragement and your little notes that you write, they make a tremendous difference of, of, of surrounding us and holding us up. It really does. Very, very, very powerful. You don't need to wait for some occasion or birthday or whatever. Just whenever there's a, there's a message that is preached that touched you that day, you know, just get in the habit of doing it because we should be doing that anyway with everybody. You know what I'm saying? But get in the habit of doing that. But Pastor Sam and Kathy have, have built something and they've taken something over from Dad. One day my kids are going to do the same thing uh, in, in my ministry. Uh, you are blessed. And, and I, I, you know, I'm saying this because I believe this. I'm not saying it because it's just supposed to say that because you're a visiting guest. I, if, if I didn't believe that, I'd just start preaching. Why don't I just start preaching right now? No, no, no. But, you know, what I'm saying is it's the truth. And, and over the years, we've become really, really good friends. And I think it's... It's because we have like spirits. We want to see the same thing happen. Uh, Pastor Bruce and Helen want to see the same thing that I want to see happen in their nation. I want to see it in my nation. I want to see it in our churches that we have. So listen, church, I want you to give it up for your, your pastor. I want you to give it up for them. Give it up, Pastor Bruce and Helen. Pastor Sam and Kathy, thank you. I love you. Tell Helen I love her. I haven't seen Helen the whole time. She's been working with the kids. Just tell her I love her, Pastor Bruce. Thank you so much. Uh, won't you high five sit down because I, I think I'm going to another church tonight. <laughs> so, hey, thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, and all the workers, I agree with uh, I agree with what was said as far as the work and stuff. You know what? Hey, how, you know, we need to pray about you getting a permanent place. How about that? Uh, that thing moving around all the time, it's not much fun doing that. I know that. And, and we need to just believe God's going to open it up. I don't want to keep coming to different locations every time I come here. I want you to have a permanent look. I know you do too. You really want to have that also. Um, the, uh, a, few, a few things I just want to mention in the back. I'm not going to take them over to the other church, but there's only a few things in the back. Uh, and uh, Kathy, I'm, I'll give you this. I don't know how many of these are left. My wife wrote a, uh, a little, here it is, a little pamphlet uh, called I Live for You to Be Free. Can't get any stronger title than that. I Live for You to Be Free. Uh, here's a pastor's wife. Here he is with me here, and I'm preaching all over. And my wife has this spirit of fear, and she's paralyzed. I didn't know what it was. I thought she was just shy when we first got married. But what it was is it was something generationally handed down in her family. As sickness can be handed down, you know, spirits can be handed down generationally. And so there's a generational blessing that I've started in my family since I'm saved. Now there's a generational blessing. It'll be a generational curse also. Uh, alcoholic as your in your grandfather, then your dad's an alcoholic, then you have uh, you're susceptible to go ahead and to. Well, I'm not finished. You're susceptible. You're susceptible. I'm right in the middle of a of, of a crazy story here. And what do you want to do? Change the pack in the back? All right. Well, I'll keep talking while he. 
He's only touching the pack, guys. I just want you to know. I know, I know some of you are kind of wondering. <laughs> and, uh, oh, well. Uh, okay, is it okay? You want, okay, you want to try it? There it is. Oh, it's working good. Good. Well, I don't know what was wrong, but, but uh, that, that, that it's, it works and it felt, felt good. Okay, so. Uh, no, that. that. <laughs> All right. And, and so, so uh, you know, in this here, these generational blessings that come in your life. E example, uh, here I am, I'm first generation Christian. No one else is Christian in my family. Now I look at, the blessing is, all my children are saved, where no one in my family had been saved. Now I have, uh, what, five grandchildren now that are now raised in the church and growing up in church where I didn't grow up. Okay, this is incredible. Hey, I didn't tell you this too, in my nine-year-old, my nine-year-old, that's my oldest grandson, my nine-year-old, uh, when they came to my birthday uh, about a week ago, they came, all of them came, and my nine-year-old, they surprised me with that his name is Jotham, and uh, we call him Joth. Joth walks out with his dad, my son-in-law, and Joth says he wants to be water baptized. And I didn't know this. At nine years old, he wanted to be water baptized. Found out the week earlier that he went in his room and got baptized in the Holy Spirit and didn't know what happened to him, started speaking in tongues. So this is my oldest one, oldest grandchild, and, and, and they, give him, they give him the mic and says, would you like to say something to the people? Here's the nine-year-old says, I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to follow God. And that's what he says at nine years of age. I mean, you know, he's learning young. And then, then, he, then he thanks everybody for coming, like, like thank you for coming. So that's, part, that's the part of me that I need to change uh, in him. And... Uh, but to see that is just an incredible thing and is a generational blessing. You have the ability, no matter what your past was, you being the believer there and you turning your life around, you have the potential to change your entire generational line. Amen? My wife wrote this here on uh, fear. Uh, my oldest daughter, it was passed down before it was broken into my daughter. It was passed down into Micah, my son, who stands up in front of crowds all over the world and where he was so shy growing up, he didn't even talk. We didn't even know if he could talk, you know, to a ninth grade. So he, he was just very, very shy, very quiet, but he had this fear on him. And I'm, but I'm telling you that you have to break these things in your life. And, and uh, this is something my wife wrote. There's been thousands of these. I don't know how many are in the back, but here, I want you to just to read the story of my wife and just rejoice with that, that the Lord did that uh, with her. Now, uh, one more thing I've never mentioned the whole time here. There is, a, as you know, I preached on the frogs the other night. That is on this USB. But there are other two messages that you've not heard. And this is from men. One's called the Godfather. He's not only the Father, our Father in heaven. He's also the God, so he's a Godfather. And then I have another one called Opening a Can of Man. So if you're man enough to get this, then get it. And uh, you need to get I'll give this away here to somebody. Is there a man that wants this here? A man that wants it? Who? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. You know, it really hurts my feelings only one person got up, but that's a thank you for running after that. Yeah, you men are really eager to change out there, huh? Okay. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, I, I enjoy when I come to church just, you know, being real and, and, and just enjoying uh, the presence of God. Uh, I have no... I, if you ever knew me and were around me at all times, I'm not any different than I am now than I am when I'm uh, not preaching. I'm this way all the time. I'm, you know, if I'm in the mall, I'm going to be still nice to people. I'm going to be kind to people. I'm not going to say, okay, I'm up here putting on a show. 
I, 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 believe, that, I believe spirituality is based on being real. Uh, that the more, Jesus was very real. You know, he was very real. He didn't go into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights and come out weird. You know what I'm saying? He didn't, you know, because we have a lot of weird Christians. You know, they, they, you know Jesus didn't come out of, after praying and spending 40 days with the Lord. He come out with his eyes bulging out and he's floating on, on the earth here. And he's, you know, and he's just, what have you been doing, Jesus? Well, uh, you would you'd never understand it, the, the level where I'm at right now. And, and he's at another level. No, no, no. I, I think what it does, the more spiritual you get, the more real you get where you can relate to the world around you instead of removing yourself from the world, you're able to relate to them. I, have, I actually have no problem talking to any sinner there is, no matter what their background is, no matter where they're at. It is just as common as just talking to you or talking to anybody else. It is no difference. And this is why I'm challenging you. Listen, listen. This building needs to be full about two or three times here, really. It needs to be full. When you look at the people that we know, I, some of you are going to amen in a minute here because I'm going to come out there. But listen, some of you need to go ahead and realize the people that around you, God loves as much as he loves you and I right here. And we got to know that, and we are carrying that love to them, all right? So let's see something happen. Now, now, let, let me get into what I'm going to talk about tonight. And uh, you, you heard this morning here what I, what I talked about. And I'm going to deal with these promises that God promises us things. And one of the promises just, just that I was talking about my family, the, the, the Lord saved me. And, of course, there's a promise that your house will be saved, in a sense. What that means, the people in your house or your closest relatives right there, God will save them. Well, no one's been saved in my family at all. And, and, and so I, then we went for two years, three years, five years, ten years, thirteen years. And all of a sudden, and then you think that it's pretty much just never going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Your mom and dad is not doing anything. They don't care about knowing that you're, my, my, my parents are telling me when I'm going to get a job. I'm in the ministry, and they say, when are you going to get a real job and quit going and playing your guitar and singing songs and going playing in a church? Get your job and do something. And so they, they didn't even understand what I do. They really didn't. All my ministry of what I was doing, they never talked to me about what I did and what I did or understanding that what I was doing was, was kind of pretty neat. They never caught it because they were not raised in it. So some of you have parents like that. I understand that, you know. But that's not going to govern if I complete the task and complete my race or not. I'm going to complete what God's called me to do no matter what, if they agree or not agree. But because I didn't quit at opportune times, they thought I should have quit or when things were rough, it caused them to see that what I have is something solid and I just don't move with the wind back and forth like some do, but they realized I had something special. All right? It took 14 years for my sister to get saved, so that was one. But it took over 30 years for my mom and dad to get saved. So it doesn't matter the time. What matters is, is that he saved my house like he promised he would. So hold on to that. Now, I talked to you a little bit about, about my, my daughter Kelly. Uh, this message that I'm preaching to you was just preached maybe six days ago. Um, I wrote this because she was, as you saw, if you were here this morning, you saw the pain that she's in, and I even showed you that video of the pain that she's in. And I'm like you. I'm, I'm just like you uh, that, that are, I, I want to figure out why, too. And there's a lot of young people here, and I'm glad you're here, because I wish somebody would have told me what I'm telling you tonight at your age. Because it, it took some of us, we had to get older before we figured it all out. But thank God you're here tonight. And you can take the wisdom of what the years that God's brought me through, you can take it in one night and say, well, this will save you a lot of pain. Amen? So, so I want to show you a good picture maybe of my daughter here. I'll show you a picture here that I have of her. Look at this here. That's Kelly. Now, you look at the difference of her this morning and you see what kind of pain she was in and how she's suffering. And her hands were, you know, she's, she's praying the scriptures and she's praying 
and things, you know, she's praying this here. So this is, this is our oldest one here. This was recent. This might have been, uh, well, it was at church. That's the back of that is our church. And uh, all, I, all I ask is that you pray. I've asked Pastor Bruce and, and, and Helen and Pastor Sam and Kathy just to pray for her because I don't know what else works. You know what I'm saying? I, doc, I know you have those situations too. And Pastor Glenn, I, I don't have any other way to look either. I don't, I don't know who to look to. I don't know who to ask. I don't know where to go. I don't know, you know, in this situation what to do. I, I just know that God can do anything, and the possible is something that's very easy for him. Uh, and so I want you to believe with me for her, but I'm here tonight for you. And as I said this morning, is that I'm here on, a, on an assignment, on a mission, in the sense that if the devil wants to do that to my kid and keep that on my kid, I'm not going to sit there and cry with her. I'm going to get myself up and go and do some damage all around this world and see people saved, see people filled with the Spirit, see people's lives changed, seeing marriages restored, seeing people get free from drugs. Come on, church, somebody help me out and see people get free in their life. I didn't come to play around. I came to let the devil know that he's going to be defeated tonight. He's going to be defeated tomorrow. He's going to be defeated the rest of our lives. Come on, somebody shout. Somebody shout. Okay. So I've simply entitled this, God Promised Me. God Promised Me. Uh, all of us here, if you spend any time with God, and some of young people here, you may not be there yet, you're not there yet, when, when you're going to ask things or you, you need some things and God's promised you, in a sense. And uh, in this with my daughter, uh, God has promised me in that one situation. Now, there's a lot of situations we could talk about, but this is the one that's on, on, on my heart right now. And I know you have some things on your heart, and we're going to pray together, and we're going to do this together because we're family, basically. It doesn't matter where we live. We're still family. You know, we're, we're, there's not any New Zealand section of heaven and U.S. section. We're all going to be living together and living, you know, no, it's not even going to matter where we're from, okay? So I, I want to talk about God promised me, and I want to help you understand because I had to understand what God does to a promise before it comes to pass, okay? So I'm going to help you. Let me show you the scripture in Romans, and then we'll pray. Abraham's faith did not weaken even though at 100 years of age he figured his body was as good as dead. So as far as children, that's what it's talking about, as far as having a child. Couldn't have any children. Sarah's womb uh, was closed, okay? Abraham never wavered. Somebody say never wavered. Yeah, in fact, believe in God's promise. Never wavered is pretty awesome there to know that Abraham considered the father of faith. How could he not be? Because all of us here, I've wavered in my faith looking at things and wondering when it's going to come to pass, just like you have. We've all done that. But Abraham, come on, never? I mean, come on, never wavered in his entire life? The man lived to he's 175 years old. Never wavered. I mean, some of us here just have about 80 years. He had 175 and never wavered. In fact, not only never wavering, his faith grew stronger when he didn't see it come to pass. Instead of griping and complaining, his faith got stronger. What are you seeing me do tonight? Are you seeing me go ahead and crying about my daughter? Are you seeing me, my faith is stronger? I'm going to do some damage to hell, devil. You're going to take your hands off my child. You're going to heal 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 my child. I am not going to be denied of that. Some of you got to get there where you're not going to be denied of that. You're not, I'm not going to waver on this. Every day that I see it's a no, I'm closer to a yes. He was fully convinced. Some of us need to be fully convinced. Not convinced. 
But there is no room for doubt. No room for doubt. Fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. You understand? And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him righteous. Who would have thought that righteousness was connected to our faith and believing him? It's not just coming to church, giving you tithes, doing all this. No, no, no. Your faith has something to do with your righteousness. Because your faith is, in other words, trusting in who he is. Okay? So I've got to trust him. Let's pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. Help covered anything I could have prayed tonight. This is a biblical principle we're going to talk about concerning a miracle, concerning prayer, concerning a promise. Uh, that, that God has not, you have not seen this thing come to pass. How many of you here would, would honestly say, God has made your promise you haven't seen happen yet or hadn't come to pass yet? Raise your hand real high, all over in the balcony and so forth. It's a promise. You know, there's something there. Could it be your parents to be saved? Could it be your child to be saved? Could it be a job? Could it be a house? Could it be a child? Uh, could it be healing? You know what I'm saying? A promise. Raise your hand again. You know, there's a promise. Okay, this is the right thing we need to talk about tonight. Now, 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 all of God's children, you got to understand in Bible, we are, we are all talked to. If you, you're talking to people sometimes, oh, God speaks to me and God speaks. You ever talk to somebody that God talks to them all the time? You know, the Lord told me and the Lord told me and the, and the Lord said, I said, I wish you would hang up so I could talk to him. You, you know, <laughs> God, you, you got him on the phone the whole time. Let me talk to him. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I, you know, let me just tell you this. God doesn't talk to you that much. He doesn't do that anymore because he wrote it down in the book. He talks through his book. Now, he does talk to you. He will talk to you. And the fact is, he talks to all of us. You say, well, he doesn't talk to me. You're just not listening. But he does talk to all of us. The Bible's very clear that he speaks about your future. He talks about his promises. He talks about things he wants to do for you and I. And it's not wrong to desire something that would make us more effective as far as for the work of God. There's nothing wrong with asking God things like that that would help us be more efficient in our home life, in our church life, in our family life. That's all good. We need to do that. And it's not considered wicked. It's not considered evil here to desire good things, especially pertaining to the Word of God. So that's all right. But has God ever spoken to you about a special work or a special blessing that he had for you? You know, has he ever spoken, you know, has he ever spoken to you about a solution in your family or in your own physical body. And as you have placed hope in God, in his promise for years, God has not spoken to you for a while. And you know what? He's not answered any of your prayers for a while. Although the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Proverbs says, the desires of the righteous shall be granted. David says, you gave me everything I asked for. So now I bring you to the reason here. I'm going to bring you to an understanding here uh, as far as a promise what God does. Then I'm going to take you through stories you would know. You would know these stories, but I don't know if you've tied them all together where they say something. It's one thing to look at one story in the Bible and you can get something from it. But when there is a fine line and a thread that runs through story after story after story, and after years of study, eventually it pops out and says, how did I miss that? This is what we're going to talk about. But let me tell you this. When God fully, let me tell you, I wrote this up there. When God fully intends to bring the promise to pass, he first puts a sentence of death on the promise. He kills the promise. I'm going to explain that to you. This is all through the Bible. When you get a promise, what God is going to do, he's going to serve a death sentence on that promise. 
You, in our minds, we think, why does he hold the carrot out in front of me if he's never going to give it to me? And constantly, I'm grabbing for something because it's frustrating to do that. Why would God want to constantly frustrate me? Also, not only is he going to kill the promise, but he's going to kill also a sentence of death on the ways and means that the promise could possibly be fulfilled. There's going to be a death on every part of you even believing or seeing that this promise could come to pass. And until you learn this principle and live like this and understand this this in the rest of your life that God does this, you're going to have turmoil and you're going to have issues in your relationship with God because this is a divine principle in the Bible. God will remove every possible means for your promise to be fulfilled and implemented. And this promise is over and over in Scripture. Show me any great prophet that God has in his word, and you'll find that God spoke a sentence of death on that promise first after, and then after reviving it. So let's just take some stories that we just read. The first one we just talked about was Abraham. And God's going to make it totally impossible for you and I to see that the promise can come to pass. There's no way in our minds that we will ever imagine or understand the way in which God will pull us off. Look what it says here in Genesis. Then the Lord said to him, saying to Abraham, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Abraham is complaining a little bit. He said, I don't have a child for my inheritance. I need a son. If I don't have a son, biblically in the Old Testament, then all of his inheritance goes to his servants and their kids. But his child, he doesn't have a son. It will not go to them. So God tells him he's going to have a son. You're going to have it. Watch this. So that's a promise. You're going to have a son, Abraham. You're going to have it. At the time that this is spoken, Abraham is 75 years old. Sarah is 65 years old. Knowing that he lived to 175, he's well in the range of still having children. Where we look at us today, if we live to 80, 75, no, you're probably not. But in their day, yes, they could still have children. So he's all excited about this. Sarah's 10 years younger than him. It sounds like a doable promise right here. And they could conceive, and so they get excited. So now there's excitement going on. So here's Abraham, which is going to get pregnant. He's probably thinking within six months she's going to come in and say she's pregnant. Well, after a year, she comes in and says, nope, there's still nothing here. She goes two years. She goes five years. She's still not pregnant. Promise was given five years ago. It goes seven years. It goes nine years. It goes 11 years. Still, there's no promise that is there. There is no child. She has not conceived at all. It goes up to 15, goes to 18, goes to 20 years, and now we're sitting here around 25 years later. 25 years later. Now, Abraham is 100 years of age, and here Sarah is 90 years of age, and now there's been a sentence of death on this promise. It's rolled into the promise, and every mean and every way this person and this and this situation have a child, this promise is officially dead. They cannot conceive. She cannot have a child. It is too late. She has passed that time. You waited too long, God. But God had to roll a death sentence on that promise, and he rolled all death sentence on all the ways and means for it to be fulfilled. Now watch. Just because the ways and means was when the womb was alive, we thought it could happen, and it should. Let me, let me just read it. The ways and means was when the womb was alive, 
But should we assume if the possibilities are dead that the promise is dead? Should we assume if all possible ways of this promise can come to pass, if there's no way we can conceive it, is the promise really dead? To the human mind, God is late. That's what we say. God's late. But he's never late, the Bible says. He's always on time. Now, what happens to us when we don't see a promise come to pass, then what we do, we attempt to fulfill it by the flesh. So what happened with Hagar? Here's his wife comes in and said, Abraham, we can't have any children. Can't have any children. It's getting too late here. Sleep with my servant. Hagar, have a child. No, no, you know, I can't sleep with your, your servant there. No, you got to sleep. You got to have a child. Sleep with my servant. Abraham, no, I don't want to sleep. Come on, sleep with her. So Abraham, okay, I'll go ahead. And then, and then, then Sarah gets mad at him for sleeping with her. I don't understand, ladies. I don't understand what, yeah, what you just did. You, you read the Bible there. She was mad at him for sleeping with her. I said, well, you, you, pushed, you pushed her on me. They have a child. But what we attempt to do sometimes when we don't see the promise come to pass when we think it should, then we try to pull it off in the flesh. And you've got to be careful using your own ingenuity thinking you're going to figure it out. If God can't figure it out, then you're going to go figure it out and you're going to go ahead and do it on your own. That's Abraham. Let's take Joseph. Joseph has a dream. He has a promise. You know the story. Joseph has a promise. All of a sudden in his promise, his brothers take him out in the desert and they want to let him die out in the desert and be eaten by animals. Slave train comes and picks him up. Now he's in slavery going to Egypt. Promise is pretty much not going to happen here because he's not even in his own family anymore. Now he's taken to an Egyptian here and he's going to be a housekeeper. And then what happens is his wife then approaches him, tries to seduce him. And he, he basically kept his character and all she had was his coat. And he kept, kept sticking with God. They put him in jail for 17 years. You tell me, is this promise all ways and means are dead? They're totally dead. He interprets then some dreams of Pharaoh. What happens is an Egyptian, he, they give him an Egyptian wife. Now he's an Egyptian. He's running all of Egypt. He doesn't know this promise that was dead, no means. He doesn't know how it's connected at all until one day in the midst of a famine, he's in there in a famine, and his servant comes in and knocks on the door and says there's 11 Hebrews that are kneeling down and need some grain, and they're hungry, and they want to talk to you. And as Joseph peeks around the curtain and looks, he looks at all of his brothers are kneeling down. And in his mind again, he said, the promise, the promise, the promise. It looked like it was never going to come to pass because there was a death sentence on it. But you've got to understand that when it dies, God is a God of resurrection. And he... David. He's got John... John G. talks about number eight. I'm number eight. Number eight. Major story. Huge. We've got to tell the rest of it, though. You're going to be king. These are not it. David, you're going to be king. You're the one. Good, man, I'm going to be king. Now, Saul, the one that tells him he's going to be king, is chasing him, trying to kill him. Here he is. This king now is living in a cave. Here the king here is freezing now in a cave. He's got his own people that are holding rocks ready to stone him. 
He's lost his reputation. He's being ridiculed and being mocked. And then if you want to ask him during that time, how's that king thing going and how's that working out? David would tell you. He said, do I look like a king? Do you see where I'm living right now? Do I have anything going on good? Everything that man said. And what happens to us in the middle of that, David did it. He said, Saul was a liar. He didn't even tell the truth on this. And many times when we're in the midst of this, we flip out and we start saying stupid things instead of just holding on and trusting God. But let me ask you this. Did David become king? He did. But before he did, all the ways and means of that promise had a death sentence on it. And it looked as if there's absolutely no way it was ever going to come to pass. How many more do you want to go through? You want to go through Job? We'll go through all of them. You can go through all of them. All of a sudden, look at his life. Has everything. You know what? He was actually he was actually the most spiritual man that was living on the earth. Job. The most spiritual man there was on earth. Here he was. You know what? I mean, why would anything? Of course, that's why Satan went up to him. Said, let's just find out if you took everything away. The bottom line of that story is, is what if we took everything away from you? Would you turn your back on God? So... Satan kind of threw the cards in here and said, the reason he serves you is because you bless him so much. But what if he wasn't blessed so much? I don't think he'd follow you. He said, I believe Job will. I believe he would follow me. He said, okay, let me do that. Do that, but you can't kill him. And then when you get through with that and he stays with me, I'm going to bless him twice as much. So Job has to go through this situation where he loses everything. Your own family, folks, his entire family dies. All of his money is gone. All of his livestock dies. Everything is gone. His home burns down. He has absolutely nothing. Not only that, he's there with boils and he's sick. And he's saying, I don't even know what's going on. But what God promised me and promised the righteous and promised to do something great with me, it looks like it's all dead. He's sitting there hurting, and he's got his own friends that are telling him, it's because you have sin in your life. That's what's wrong with you, Job. If you just confessed your sin, you know what? Everything will be okay. And he goes, I don't have any sin. I don't know why this is going on. He's got all of his friends against him, and you're by yourself when you have a death sentence. Nobody's around you, and you sit by yourself. But did Job get back what God promised? Everything that was promised, it all came back to him. Everything that was dead came back to him. God gave him back everything there is. Do you know what redemption is? Redemption means brought out of death. Redemption is brought out of death. Before you and I were saved, we were dead. The promise is dead. People you're praying for that are out there in the world that you believe for, they're dead. They have to be redeemed. And redemption means to be brought out of death. God, bring me out of my sorrow. Give me a beautiful life for one that is ashes. Give me peace for conflict. Give me, give me health out of disease, God. Give me liberty out of captivity. Give me assurance out of doubt. Give me faith out of unbelief. God promised mankind a savior. But on a Friday, the promise is dead. Over and over and over and over and over, it dies. It dies. And we have problems with that because God promised. That's why tonight I'm glad you're here to hear that when you do get that, he's going to give it a death sentence. The Savior dies on a Friday. The promise is over. 
The Savior's gone. We don't have a Savior now. But we all know what happened on Sunday. Sunday, the promise came out of the grave. And you got to understand, it came out of a grave. It was dead. Your promise will come out of a grave. It's going to be dead. It's not going to have any life at all. But God is the only thing that can resurrect something dead. Hallelujah. The entire 40 years of the Israeli-Israelite wilderness tour was to teach them one thing. That was to teach them trust. Can you not just trust me when you don't see water to drink? Can you trust me when you don't have meat to eat? Can you trust, can you, see, see here's the whole trip, guys, that the, I'm just telling what God wants to do. He's trying to get us to trust, because if you can't trust me, God says you can't receive my promise. Do you realize this, that no man can learn to swim if he can touch the bottom. You cannot ever learn the ways of God if you still can touch the bottom of your faith. You understand? You understand what God's saying? When you can touch the bottom of human means and ways, you will never see the promise fulfilled in your life. The first thing God will do, he's gonna put you one inch from the bottom where you can't touch any longer, where you have to trust him. And if you learn to trust God, then the depth, well, it is, the depth of the water becomes irrelevant. If I don't touch bottom in one inch, what's the difference of being in the ocean in 40, 100 feet? It's the same difference. So once I trust him and I start learning to trust him with this much water, I don't care how big the problem is, I don't care how bad it looks, I can still trust him. You got that? So I don't care in my life by now because I've seen it so much where I, I was, you know, you, you just barely walk off enough just to trust and let him take you where he wants you to go. If you can touch bottom, the water cannot move you. But if you move your feet where the water controls, the river of God controls you, he can move you where he wants. But we don't like to go into the deep end. We like to keep our feet and where we can have control. You're going to have to lose control and you're going to have to admit this thing is dead as can be. But you know what? God is a God of resurrection. And I know he can rest. Oh. Uh. What spirit, when we get saved, out of all spirits that he says you got when you get saved, do you realize that's called a resurrection spirit? You have a resurrection. What do you think that's for? Say, you have a resurrection spirit. So I'm going to be able to use that resurrection spirit for the rest of my life. I didn't realize how important it really was, but when I see things that are dead, there's an ability to see a resurrection take place in everything that I look at. God is going to take the bottom out of your life. He's got to do that so you're able to trust him. Let me show you something in the back of here. The back of here. Now, when you read this here, when you read the Bible in some of these places here, this just is gloom and doom. This is loss and crosses is all this is about. It's just bad. But I want to show you something which you have to do when these promises are dead. This says, though the fig tree does not blossom. You see how it's all bad. It's all bad. 
Fig tree doesn't blossom. There's no fruit on the vines. All these words mean something, and, and uh, I don't have time. Though the yield olive uh, fails, the fields have no food. Though the flock is cut off from the fold, there are no cattle in the stalls. Bad, hopeless, right? Hopeless situation. Go ahead. Yet, I will choose. Who would have thought your, your power to choose is going to be a major thing in the success in your life? The ability to look at something and choose. I choose to rejoice in the Lord. Nothing looks good. Nothing. See, see, your worship is not based on how your day is going. Your worship is based on who God is, period. That's it. He is, he is on the throne. He's in control. He's in control of everything. And he's going to be the resurrection of my promise so I can praise him. I don't see it right now with my own eyes, but it's going to happen. He says this, look, I will choose, says again, to shout in exaltation. I choose to be victorious. All right? Go to the next scripture. The Lord God is my strength. He's my source of courage, my invincible army. He has made my feet steady and sure like hinds feet. He makes me walk. Somebody might get excited reading this one. Forward with a spiritual confidence on my high places of challenge and responsibility. All right? So, so there's a point in your life when this promise is dead is when it's saying that was hopeless, a hopeless situation. The trees have no odds and so forth. It's a hopeless situation. When it is hopeless, you have to choose. Choosing means you don't feel like it. It doesn't mean you have to have this surge of faith, but it's just a choice because you know you serve a God that can resurrect anything that's dead. So I choose to hold on. Tell me what choice I have with my daughter. Do I have a choice? Oh, I guess you're just going to die, baby. I, just, I guess you just die and go to heaven. Do you think that's what I should just give up and just say? Is that what you're going to do is just say, or you're not going to speak to it at all? I, there's no way I'm going to do that. I'm going to keep speaking it. As long as I'm, I have breath, I'm going to keep speaking it. And you're going to speak it too. You're going to bow up and just keep speaking to this thing is that there's a resurrection that's coming. My God is a God of resurrection, and I believe he can do anything. I know he can do anything. He can touch this. I've seen it in the Bible. I've seen greater things happen in the word of God. I know he can touch this. My promise is going to come alive. There's going to be a resurrection of my promise. Acts, Acts 7, Acts 7, 17. As the time drew near when God then would fulfill, when God would fulfill, he would fulfill, he would fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of people in Egypt, now watch this, in Egypt greatly increased. Now what it's talking about is this, they're in bondage in, 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 uh, in Egypt, they're in bondage, God's people, 430 years in bondage. They knew that they were going to be delivered, they, they heard that, they, they knew the word of God, knew that they're going to, there's going to be a deliverer, they're going to be delivered. But they're thinking here as they're growing, as their families are growing is what it's saying. They're having kids. They're having a lot of kids. And they're being told, have a lot of kids. Because these kids are going to be the future army that's going to rise up and then challenge the Egyptian army, take them over, take their money, and that's how they're going to win. So they had this all schemed in their mind, right? They got this all worked out. This is a feasible plan, good strategy. Let's get our kids, let's wait some years here, get them to grow up, keep having kids, and they're going to be our future warriors. They get around 15 years old, we can start training them, and we're going to have some, it's going to, we're going to have a big army. Okay, so they've got the plan down. Now watch what happened. But then a new king came to the throne who knew nothing about Joseph. Right? So now Joseph doesn't have his clout that he once had with the other king. So look what happens. 
This king exploited our people and oppressed them, forcing parents to abandon their newborn babies so they would die. And you know what else died? Is the promise of ever being free. Now what happened is our plan that we had, didn't I tell you all ways and means that you'll figure out? Some, hey, I know how we can get the money to buy the house. I know how this, oh, and it falls. Okay, what I'm saying, you, all these different ways of that is going to happen is you're going to find something that may work, but you're going to find a time in your life you're going to hit a wall, and this thing is just going to die, and it's going to look like it, it has no breath and never will, will, will breathe again. And here's the situation. It says that here they are. This army is dead. All of our babies are gone. There's no way this is happening. So here it is, the deliverer is now what they thought and the plan that they have now is all gone. They are now burying their promise. But watch this in the next verse. As they're burying their promise, their deliverer is born. At the same time, Moses was born. A beautiful child in God's eyes. His parents cared for him. Okay, so here we have burying the promise, God's birthing their deliverer. See, we must get to the place, sink or swim, where I'm going to believe the word of God no matter what. I'm going to just trust his word. I don't know how he's going to do it. I would have never. Hey, let, let me say it this way. There are things that I have seen and gone through that there's no way I would have, I could sit and figure out, okay, if this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, then I, I, we, we'll see that happen. You ever, you ever go to the end and, and when something, your promise comes true and work back and realize you had no idea how that was going to, there's no way you could have figured out how that would have happened at all. What time I have? Do I have time to tell you something? Uh, example. Uh, we bought a lounge. I'm preaching on taking territory. You take territory. You're taking churches all over. We're taking territory. Well, th there's going to be an attack when you take territory. The devil, the, when you take, take his ground, you take the devil's ground. Oh, you step on his ground, it's yours. No, there's, there's going to be a fight. There's going to be warfare. So there's going to be attack. Okay, so we're going to buy this lounge called the Fat Cat. Snoop Dogg was there last year. So this is a big deal in our city. It's a big, big old drunk, big party place, big DJ thing. And all these people get drunk and the police just hate the place. Well, I, I, Lord tells me, you buy it. Close that thing down and put a, put a church in there. Put a coffee house in there. Put, some, put, put some, a coffee cafe in there. Do all this stuff to it. It's right downtown. So, so what happens is we start negotiating kind of with this. Somebody else bought it. It wasn't even close to us. We didn't have anything. It's dead. This thing has been dead so many times for us. They had three people wanting to pay cash for it. We didn't even have cash to do that. And I'm saying, well, three people paying cash, we're not going to have it. But then I'd go a week later and say, Lord, I, I, somehow I think you want us to have that place there. Uh, I, I don't know how we're going to do it. We just need to have this place. And so, so we, we're praying, we're believing, we're asking God for this, but you know what, it's dead. It died at least three or four times where the whole thing was dead. And then what happens, remember I said something about I started bleeding. I was overseas and I was, I was bleeding over in Australia on an island here. As I was bleeding, taking territory, there was an attack on me physically. Secondly, what went on that I didn't tell you is as that's going on and I'm in Australia, our whole Sunday offering is stolen on Monday, taking it to the bank. The whole offering from today, taking it to the bank tomorrow, your whole offering is stolen. They robbed us out in the parking lot as our ladies were bringing the money into the bank. They robbed us. 
the money's gone and I'm in Australia. The day after that, we're like a voting center when they vote over there. They come to church and not vote. We had a man that took his clothes off and we have a fountain in front, all of, uh, like a horseshoe, like this in the front of our church, right on the main street. He's naked, laying face down in the water, trying to drown himself. So, so Sunday, here I am going through, I'm bleeding in Australia. Here on Monday, we lose all of our money here. And then, like, like the devil saying, you think you're going to buy something? I'll just take your money. You're not going to buy anything. I'm going to let you know that you can't do anything because you don't have any money. You're just going to even try to pay your bills and try to stay afloat is what's going to happen. And then the next day, it's like, I'm going to have somebody die in your fountain, and he's going to be naked. I get a call from my secretary. He said, said, my husband just got a word that somebody's trying to drown himself down in the fountain. And he doesn't have any clothes on. Now, I don't know how that helps you to take your clothes off to drown. You can't leave your pants on and just, down, just go die. But, but don't get naked at the church. <laughs> have some decency at the church and dress if you're going to drown yourself. He's laying face down in the water. One of my pastors has to go down there and pick him up. He, wake, he gets up, helps him breathe again. He's purple. He's dying. And so what I'm saying is, here I am bleeding. Here we're on the headlines, church slow. And then here we're going to have the next day, naked man dies at our church. Okay, it had just been ter- horrible. The guy comes to and then starts breathing in it and starts streaking all across our grounds. He's just running around all over the place. And, and, and finally the police have to tackle him and bring him off. Now, everything was all messed up. There's no way we're going to get it. There's just no way. It's just impossible. And I would tell my wife, get your prayer team. Let's just pray. I don't know how, but I'm going to tell you this. If it ever comes back to me, I will be scared not to buy it. Because you know what? It is so dead, and that promise is so dead, it will never happen. Well, folks, we do have right now the fat cat. It came back to us. We shut that sucker down, and now there's a church in there. It just happened, and we've got that place because God can resurrect every promise that looks dead to you and I. He can do it. Let me show you this in Joshua. Here's how I know. Joshua says this. Soon I will die, going the way of everything on earth. Deep in your hearts, you know. Somebody say every promise. That includes yours. Every promise of the Lord your God has come true. Let's all read that last sentence together. What does it say? Go. It, it, you know what, if there's, if there's one scripture for you to get and, and to mark and put that on your refrigerator, here's one. Not a single one has failed. Every promise. Oh, go ahead and clap. Just you might as well clap for that. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. Every promise has come to pass. I told you this morning, when I saw my daughter in a nursing outfit that she hadn't been a nurse for 20-something years, I don't, you know, I, I don't see things. I don't, I don't have any visions to tell you or anything like this and, and, uh, and uh, to interpret, uh, you know, I, I don't have. 
but I, I walk out and, and, and I saw that. And I saw the back of her walking with her white outfit on. And I was, and then my wife says, you need to tell her when you go to the room. I said, Kelly, I said, I saw you in, a, in, a, in your nursing outfit. She goes, what does that mean? I said, well, the only way you could wear that is to be healed. I said, because you can't do anything right now. So I'm just telling you that God wants to heal you. Now, we know God wants to heal. But I'm honest with you. After a while, when something has been dead, I'm not talking about for months. Some of you, some of you panic in a week. But how about 20-plus years? And every day you're waiting to hear. You're waiting to hear she's feeling better. She's, she's waiting. See, some of us here, see, we don't understand. Some of you do understand because you live long enough like me that you have some of these areas that there is absolutely in our mind there's no way we've done everything we know in our own ingenuity and our own understanding and our own abilities. We have tried to do it all. And you know what? We just hit a wall. And you know what? It, would get, it gets frustrating. Then it? it gets frustrating that we've got to see something. And then God tells me, Glenn, it's got to die. Because really, I don't necessarily want a doctor to get the glory. I want to get the glory of this. Where there's no one else that can do this other than me. I am the God of resurrections. So let it die. Some of you here in your own spiritual life, you know what? You haven't totally sold out to God yet. And you know what? You're the most miserable person in here because you're sitting here running the cold side and the hot side of the faucet where you look warm. You just, lukewarm is just turning both sides on. You sit at church here, but then you're also doing whatever in the world. you got both sides running, and you're miserable. And you're going to have to make a decision. you got to make a decision what you're going to do. And let me tell you the decision you've got to make is you have to die. You have to die. What do you think crucifixion is? Crucifixion is death. you got to die. And so, you, you ever seen those old westerns where, where you're shooting the bad guy and he keeps getting up? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and the guy's like, oh, 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 oh. And for 15 minutes, he's trying to die. And we're like, will you hurry up and die? There's got to be more to this movie than you staggering around with 100 shots in you. Die! And that's what happens to you and I. God's saying, will you hurry up and die? I keep shooting you, but you keep getting up. <laughs> Will you just lay down and die so I can resurrect you into new life? Because I can't resurrect you until you die. It has to die before God can resurrect it. Amen. Stand in peace. Stand in peace. Amen. How many learned something tonight? You learn a little bit tonight? Hallelujah. Look at, let me just show you one scripture, and, and before I go, I just need to pray with you, and you keep praying for me too, and let's do that. Let's just have a pack, you and I, we'll pray together, but let me show you. It says, remember your promise to me. It's my only hope. Well, it's a great scripture. Your promise revives me. It comforts me in all my troubles. Okay. So all the troubles that you have with not seeing this come to pass, 
I have cried. I have, I have pleaded with God. I have asked God. I don't know what else to do. I've fasted. I've, you know, pretty much everything. I don't, I, and then God shows me here last year. He said, Glenn, it's got to die. Let it die. You had to die before you got resurrected to do new life. Your promise has to die. I said, well, it's pretty dead, God, because I don't see anything. See, some of you with your parents, you're saying, or your brother or your sister, say, there's no way they're going to get saved. Yeah, they're going to get saved. They will. You know what? But I don't want you to see. Here's the deal. Don't, don't get upset because it looks dead. It has to go through a death process before God can resurrect it. So don't freak out when that happens. You understand? So this is helping you and I because what we have is people in a church that leave churches because God didn't do what he said. And you're trying to still massage this thing and keep it alive. And God's saying, get away and let it die. Where there's no hope and in the midst of the death, trust me. Just trust me. Because we just saw there's not any promise. Not a promise. So see, it's not a matter of, of, of uh, if it's going to happen. It's going to be when. That's all. It's going to be when. And the next time I see you, I'm going to be showing you pictures of her healed. I'm going to show Hey, man. I'll show pictures of her Hallelujah. How many of you have a promise right now? And you need to just go put it in the ground and bury it. I want you to come to the altar real quick here. Because i got to go to this other church here. But you come forward. Let me pray with you. Because you and I have that in common. You have a promise you're believing for. You have a promise you're believing for. Come on. And then you're ready to let it die. Let it die. Come on up. Come, on up. come up to this altar. Come on. Pastor, Pastor Sam, come on up here. I, I'm going to have to go to. I'll go in a minute. But, boy, I've enjoyed being with you. I, I, I just wanted to share a few thoughts of what I'm going through and what I'm dealing with and what I'm holding on to because I know we have a lot of this in common guys we have a lot of this in common I've struggled with my parents being saved I struggle with my sister being saved I struggle with my kids being saved you know what I'm saying and then I realize all the struggle I'm killing myself wearing myself out and if I would just let it put it in God's hands put it in God's hands when my sister died uh, I remember going in a closet I remember getting upset. So I can't believe. Can't believe she died, God, when I asked you. He said, No one dies if they're in me. It's life to life. I don't even know what death is anymore. There is no death. So I don't even know what you're talking about. She's she's still alive. But I remember God saying, this, this is hard on you. I said, absolutely it's hard on me because I don't have any other brothers and sisters. I just had one sister, and that was it. And I remember almost like spiritually, and you've probably done this with God, is you're almost just kind of beating on his chest. I just, and you're crying because you just, it's just too much for you emotionally to handle. I remember just, I remember just hitting him on the chest. Now, you and I would think God would say, what is wrong with you, Berto? Will you just grow up? But you know what he did? He grabbed me, said, tell me what you think of me. It's okay. Tell me how you feel. I understand you're hurting. It's hard for you to handle this. I understand your emotions and your hurt is beyond what you can really deal with right now. So you tell me everything you want to tell me and how I didn't do this. And he held me. 
And I got tired. And I just let him hold me. He said, it's okay. He said, I'll explain it to you one day and give you the whole story, but it's okay. Once I lay this out for you and you understand, when you see it in heaven, when you see me, I'll tell you what happened and why this took place. You'll have an understanding. But right now, she's fine. You're going to see her again. She's happy and she's healed. She's not sick anymore. You're going to see her soon. He said, that's my promise. He promises that to you and I. He promises that. We could get all of us pastors together. We can't answer everything. I'm serious, church. We don't, we don't have answers. Because, you know, honestly, his ways, his ways and means are higher than ours, right? He said, that's a cop-out. Well, he's God. Come on. I mean, he spoke a word and the earth exists. You know, who are we? Compare? We, we don't have that intellect or that mind. We, there's no way we can compare that. So I just have to trust and give up that one day when, when I have these questions and you have these questions, he's going to have a perfect answer that says, oh, that makes so much sense. I understand now. So don't be puzzled right now. Don't let that hurt your, your spiritual growth. Don't let that hurt you, okay? You hold on. And you keep believing, because I'm doing it too. I'm in it too. And boy, I, lo I long to be in heaven one day when all this stuff is over with. I'm fine with it, you know. But lift your hands right now so I can pray for you. And let's just let, don't you, you feel the Spirit of God. I feel the presence of God so sweet in here. I, you know what I feel? I feel the loving, the loving side of God is embracing you right now and telling you I understand I wish I could explain it, but it's beyond your understanding. But what he's saying this, he said, but what he shared with you tonight is to let it die and trust me that I'll take care of it. I am the God of resurrections. The Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters right here in Auckland. I pray that, Lord, they'll feel the love of God like they haven't felt in so long that through their turmoil and through their trials and through their situations and issues, God, we feel your presence. And feeling that tells us that everything is going to be okay. But I got to hold on to you and I got to keep going forward. I'm not going back anywhere but backwards. I'm going to keep going forward. And I'm going to keep believing. Because, Lord, it's not if it's going to happen. It's just when. So I'm not going to doubt in the in-between. I'm going to hold on. Lift your hands and just begin to thank him. That God, I thank you that I, I have you in my life. I thank you that I don't have to worry. I thank you that, Lord, I don't even have to figure it out. I don't have to figure it out. You got it all, God. I don't have to worry about it. You're in control, Lord. Come on, just tell him. He's got it. He's got it. God, I, I trust you. I trust you.